Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. We got Chris returning once again and new face. Dean is here. Can't wait to talk to him. We're going to get you an intro in a second. But while I am excited, y'all should be too. Like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff to get your emails in the morning whenever we go live, which is of course every day. Now if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all, by all means, put them up in the comment section and we will engage them throughout the show as per normal. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the role of men, which I think is going to be a really interesting topic. Can't wait to get into that. Before we go too deep into anything, let's get some intros. Dean, why don't you start us off? 10 to 15 seconds. Who are you? Where you come from? All that good stuff. Hit it. Yeah, Dean Goble out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've served in the military for now 19 years. And yeah, working out of 10 Special Forces groups, still active. And uh, God willing, I'll get to retire here in about a year. So I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. nice. Chris, how about yourself? Give us a little rundown. It's always good to be back. I appreciate the, the invite. Uh, yeah, my name is Chris Lee. Uh, I was in 10 Special Forces group as well. Uh, good friend of Dean's. And now I'm a full-time life coach and helping people achieve all of their goals that they want to achieve. Bam. Just like that. I like it. Um, so today, like I said earlier, we're going into the role of men. So I figured the best thing we can do is first couple of days of this week, we talked about what is a man and what makes a man. And so I figured since we've kind of defined that, to a pretty good degree, let's talk about what a role is. So a role in sociology, the behavior expected of an individual who occupies a given social position or status. A role is a comprehensive pattern of behavior that is socially recognized, providing a means of identifying and placing an individual in a society. Uh, it also serves as a strategy for coping with recurrent situations and dealing with the roles of others. Uh, i.e. a parent or a child role. The term borrowed from theatrical usage emphasizes the distinction between the actor and the part. A role remains relatively stable even though different people occupy that position. Uh, any individual assigned the role of physician, like any actor in the role of Hamlet, is expected to behave in a particular way. And an individual may have a unique style, but this is, this is exhibited within the boundaries of the expected behavior. So I think that's a really good definition of what a role is. And now to turn it over to you guys, the hard question. When I say the role of men, what are your guys' first thoughts? Chris, I'm going to put you on the fire first. So I see you giggling in the corner. I'm like, oh, well, it's on now. So by all means. Yeah, I, I, great question. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to answer this anymore. Um, I think, and this is kind of my go-to, but if we were still living back on the savannah as a hunter-gatherer tribe, I think the role is relatively easy. Um, it's my understanding that the men were there to, to hunt and protect and take care of their tribe. And as we've evolved as a society and as a, as a species, um, we are afforded the luxury of maybe blurring some of that because I don't, I don't need to go hunt a woolly mammoth anymore. Uh, I can go to the supermarket and buy bison or, 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 or ground beef or whatever. Uh, and so I think as society has evolved, uh, the, the expectations may have shifted. Having said all of that though, I think ingrained deep in, in our DNA, there's, there's like, um, maybe calling's not the right word, but I don't know, deep in our DNA, there's kind of this desire in, in men's hearts and in, in men's makeup, uh, to be strong, to be that I don't, I don't think I've ever met a guy that says, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be the hero or I don't want to be the hero in my, my spouse's life. You know, uh, I think, I think part of that is because it's part of who we are. Um, and so uh, to answer the question, what is the role of men? I think I think it needs to be asked like what what fills our heart what what makes us want to be men and and I, to answer that question i think uh, i read a book a long time ago that that i think he encapsulated the, that desire in our heart and it's threefold it's uh we want a battle to win an adventure to to go on and a beauty to rescue and um 
I've kind of carried that with me for a long time. And so, yeah, I, I think in some regards, that's the role of men is to, to be prepared to be strong when it's necessary, uh, to seek out adventure, uh, whatever that may be, and to be willing to pr provide and protect for the, the people that they love. That's a really good answer. All right, let's shut her down and <clears throat> call it a day. <laughs> so, That's it. We're done. <laughs> We're done. Dean, what are your uh, what are your first thoughts? Oh, I mean, what comes to mind for me immediately is uh, my kids. So, being a father, you know, I think understanding for the roles or roles of men, I, I really like to think along the lines of what can I provide and complement my partner as far as raising children. So. You know, like providing that like leadership, showing my kids like, hey, this is what leadership looks like. This is what work ethic looks like, you know, and kind of really kind of helping them hone in and be a man. And I was lucky enough because I have two boys, so I have the ability to kind of help coach and teach them what it is to be a man. And I have a very traditional mindset in this. So some of the things I think we already spoke about, but I believe that chivalry is not dead. So love or hate it, I teach my boys to walk up and open doors for women, you know, cook. But, you know, kind of to allude to Chris's point, though, at the same time, you know, we've adapted and changed. Like I do a lot of the cooking. You know, I, I love the cook, which isn't traditional. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll start there and then I think we can dive in and all those. I like it. Sean, first thoughts? Yeah, I like it, man. I, I like how Chris uh, kind of punched that thing out. But uh, actually, mm -hmm. Chance, you kind of uh, set the stage to some degree, and that's a play on words, given that we uh, are talking about Hamlet. And, uh, you know, the role, as it were, the role of men, I, I, maybe I wasn't thinking of it as the way you put it across, Chance, in the sense of, to some degree, we're actors. But I mean, authentic, of course, but you're kind of playing a role. You're, you're not, you're still living an authentic life, of course, but we have a character to play that is us, but we're almost demonstrating, I think, to our children, to our family. I've also got two sons. I also teach them to open doors. I also teach them chivalry. I also, there's lots of things that I've had to play as an actor for them to pick up on as the right thing to do in their play of life. And so... Um, it's not inauthentic, but I think what we do have to understand is, is an active an active demonstration of what it means to be a man in a relationship with another woman or uh, in, with another partner. And so there are certain things that you have to demonstrate um, out in the real world. And so this is where it's going to get a little tricky, a little messy. <laughs> Because uh, to Chris's point, uh, and now I'm playing on, he, he really just did smash it out of the park. The, those things that he mentioned were uh, in, maybe in our DNA. We want to be a hero. We want to we save the damsel in distress. We want to seek adventure. That can all be replaced now with video games. And so I'm looking at the modern world right now here in Kuala Lumpur. It's quite different from... Um, where we were up in Georgetown and Penang and in Ipoh. They're more smaller cities, they're more rural, not as much tourism, not as much affluence, not as much obesity, not as much sucked up into their phone, not as many things that are impactful in a artificial way versus the real world. And so what I see is a conflict currently of the artificial roles that can be pursued in a video game of, sh of, of adventure and saving the damsel in distress and slaying those dragons without getting off the uh, Dorito-filled couch. So I see kind of men getting a little weaker, a little softer, uh, a little less understanding of what the role is to be a man in the actual world versus 20 years ago when it was clear what it, the roles that you had to play, had to demonstrate, had to act out for your sons or for your daughters, as it were. I really like the, where this conversation is going in. I'm, I'm going to let, Carrie, I'm going to come back to you here in a second, Chris. Uh, I just want to point that Lisa Jaster just jumped on. Good to see you, Lisa. Uh, she says, my husband and I were just talking about this very important topic this morning. So uh, this is something that needs to be talked about. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to get 
it uh, on the show today. But I want to come back to Chris. Any any thoughts on anything? We've any additional thoughts now that we've gone around the table? No, I think I still hold my position. Uh, I, I, I'm just trying to keep up with you guys. Uh, you guys are incredibly intelligent. Um, but uh, I, th I think another, maybe another avenue to explore is what is what is expected of men, um, and that that may help define the role too. Um, I think I think still a great deal is expected of men, uh, whether whether we like talking about it or not. Um, so so maybe dive into that a little. Let's uh, let's pass it around, Dean. Mm. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just like uh, you know, real world examples. Every night when we go to sleep here at this house, I am expected to do the security thing. So I'm the guy who locks the front door, ensures the back door is locked, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, understanding the roles of security. So if me and my girlfriend are are out and about, you know, I'm definitely expected to have that security mindset. You know, like if somebody comes up and approaches us, you know, I, I you know, I present myself first and I provide that security and comfort and that blanket between me and her. And so that, I mean, that's probably different for a lot of people, but in my specific relationship, I'm definitely expected to play that role in security. Mm, that is another really great realm to go down to, but Sean, mm -hmm. any additional thoughts on this? Well, it's nice that Lisa Jaster is uh, in the comments right now because it wasn't too long ago that I actually called Lisa Jaster out as a strong representation of what it means to be a strong woman and stronger than most men. And so, you know, that I think therein lies the rub that the uh, traditional, traditional roles uh, and responsibilities are blurring in our modern society where the man doesn't have to be stronger than the woman, as it were. I'm sure that Lisa could kick my butt. And so is that supposed to make me feel like less of a man? No, because I can probably cook better than she can. I'm just kidding. But I love cooking and I'm quite a good cook. So bring it, Lisa. And so that's, that's kind of where we're at in our modern society right now is the lines are blurring to some degree. And I think that's a good thing as long as it's a healthy thing as long as there's an understanding that it isn't win or lose or that it isn't, well, Lisa can kick my butt and so now I feel like less of a man. If she can kick my butt, well, freaking awesome. Bring it, Lisa, because I'm coming for you. And that's how I like to play my game. Uh, but, you know, do all men play their role like that? Do, are they confident enough to be around a strong woman and feel like, they are still a strong man, even though they are going to get their butt kicked or they're going to be, they're going to make less money than, or now they're changing diapers uh, when traditionally that was perhaps the, uh, the woman's role. I've changed the bajillion diapers. It sucked, but I didn't feel like less of a man. And so, you know, the, I think the traditional roles that uh, existed perhaps 20 years ago have almost flippity flopped to some degree. And I think that that's an interesting conversation uh, to dig into as well. Yeah, adaptability really comes in, in part on that is what I think. And, and it's so unique to every relationship, you know, so like in just being able to one is be humble enough to admit it. And then secondly, be adaptable in that specific relationship or that role that you're doing. So while you have your spouse and Say she is like you just said, as, as maybe she's really good at housework, you know, she can fix the, the plumbing like that, you know, and, you know, traditionally that would be a man's role. But if that's the case, you know, just be humble enough to accept it. And then you pick up and you follow in and then you help and support your family in other ways. This is a, a great point. My, my wife and I, when it comes to doing the actual house, like the work on the house, we have skills that accent each other. So mm -hmm. I can, I can frame the walls and I can put the drywall up and I can do all the mudding and stuff like that, but she has a much finer touch. So when it comes to doing cutouts, she's great at it. When it comes to doing, um, molding or any of the, uh, the trim, she's great at it and I can do it. That doesn't mean I'm like, but she's better at it than I am. <laughs> I have no problem admitting it and it makes the house look nicer. Right? So I think this is part of it. And one of the things I wanted to go back on, um, <clears throat> Chris, you had mentioned the those three things that uh the kind of the role of men uh, or things that you know men want is the battle the rescue and the adventure and i, I kind of was playing with that in my mind as we were talking and I, 
tell me if I'm on base here as we go along here, but I see the battle to win as wanting to be part of a team because rarely can you win a battle by yourself. Like it seems like that's something that, you know, you and your, you and your buddies are like, all right, let's go take on whatever. And then a rescue seems to me that it's that challenge, whatever that challenge is, it doesn't have to be rescuing that damsel in distress. It's just, there's a challenge in front of you. I'm going to go get, go after it. And the adventure is this uh, concept of needing new horizons, new things to check on, new things to do, all that stuff. So I'm wondering if you guys think that maybe within the the newer realm, the more evolved realm of where we are right now in terms of time from the Savannah, at least, do you think that those perhaps, those concepts from Battle Rescue Adventure could be more accurately placed within teamwork challenge and variety i guess chris i'm going to come to you with this one what do you think i think that's a pretty pretty healthy interpretation of it um the the book uh i read years ago that that referenced the those three things um he i mean obviously he's he's living in a modern society the author was and so he he acknowledges like the adventure might not be discovering new lands or or hopping on a on a ship to you know explore the world and and advance the trade of the human population um is he he acknowledges that like adventure looks way different nowadays maybe maybe that is you know um yeah working with a team to build something or to um create something brand new the he in the book he he says he specifically it's a beauty to rescue and i think deep down all of us want to yeah we want to be the hero and in our partner's story um and, and again i think that's part of our dna um but i, I think again i think i think that's a pretty good interpretation um you know being able to meet a challenge uh and have what it takes to meet that challenge and come out on top uh, and then the the battle to to win is is kind of the same thing it's like uh we i mean growing up i didn't i didn't picture and play on the playground that i was going to go work in a in an office somewhere <laughs> in a cubicle you know I, those weren't the games i played i you know i played very adventurous imaginative games i'm battling the dragon or fighting space orcs or whatever <laughs> you know um it with the intent to to be the hero because that's that's what I want to be. Um, nowadays, it's it's just going to look different. Uh, I I think yeah, I, there there aren't a whole lot of wild animals running around my neighborhood for me to <laughs> protect my house against. Although there was there was a black bear last year that um, I got to see and chase <laughs> with my cell phone. <laughs> but um, uh, so so yeah, I, I think that's a, a relatively healthy interpretation of 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 those three three aspects that are ingrained in us. And and I think kind of regardless of where we are in society, I I firmly believe that is part of of our DNA. That regardless of how how much maybe it's it's been tried to to be beaten out of us, you know. Um, uh, another concept within that book is is um, society has this tendency to tame men uh and and that's like the fastest way to to destroy our soul uh we did on some level we don't want to be tamed we want to be wild and and to explore what it, and again whatever that looks like and we want to be kind of rough and um a big and when i say rough i mean i think that's really just another word for capable uh we we want to when the battle, when the battle emerges and we're faced with, when we're faced with that storm in our life, we want to know deep down in our heart that we are capable to handle it and that we will come out on top. Um, that was a, that was a whole lot of word vomit. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I like it absolutely. Dean, what are your thoughts? Oh, when uh, when Chris mentions the word adventure, uh, what comes to mind for me is finding purpose. So, I mean, I spend a lot of time talking about like finding purpose and essentially, you know, that once again, that's kind of different for everybody. And that can be something as, as easy as like, Hey, finding purpose is raising my kids. Finding purpose is becoming an entrepreneur or earning my MBA. 
be a successful business person. You know, so that you can define that in many different ways of what finding purpose is for you. But in our specific, you know, uh, talk about roles for men, I think that can really start to dictate what your roles will be in that society based off of, hey, what is the purpose that you're trying to achieve? And so, you know, you can obviously take a step back, take a step forward, become a little more aggressive, you know, less aggressive, et cetera, you know, and how you're trying to achieve that. But I really look at it as, you know, the finding or finding purpose really kind of bridges the gap for adventure for men. And, and we're never going to get rid of that. You know, that's just something that I personally believe is deep down in our DNA. Uh, you know, so many people who retire out of our group and something that hits them really quickly is, hey, what's my purpose now? You know, I'm no longer serving, wearing the uniform, and they're just trying to define themselves and what they do. And helping them kind of help them find that purpose is what comes around and then helps them then dictate what their roles will be in some degree, you know, and then work towards that profession or, you know, and then that helps them with their mental health and their physical health. And I just don't think, you know, and I could be definitely off on this for sure, but I just, I personally believe that it is just deep down, you know, in our, within our DNA of men, of finding that purpose, that adventure that Chris mentioned is just something that's always going to exist. And hopefully, I, I hope it always does exist. But then that really defines our roles within current society that I just don't think we're going to get around. And that's a great point. Sean, thoughts? Yeah, and so I'm going to go back to what you were you uh, proposed, Chance, and that is uh, I agree with the spirit of what you're saying, but that is the slippery slope or the mission creep of all of a sudden you think you're slaying the dragon in a video game, and that's the salve to your uh, DNA, as it were, as a man. Mm. And so I push back against the idea that it can it can be softened or weakened or or the footprint of what our DNA is, is can creep out until all of a sudden the adventures of Zelda or whatever freaking video game is that makes you think that you're you're slaying the dragon is is satisfying your deep down DNA demand to save the damsel in distress or to slay the dragon or to go out and live that adventure. All of a sudden, actual adventure is replaced with you get to respawn into some other goofy video game that is now checking the box for you. And that is not the case. That is not your life's purpose. You Slaying a dragon in a video game is, is an artificial band-aid on the demand that we all need to go out and slay something. I'm not saying you gotta go slay half the world. I'm not saying that you gotta slay an actual dragon. But you gotta slay, you gotta smash. There's a need for it. There's a need in me. There's a need in every single man that I know that's my buddy. And so where it all goes wrong as I see it is it gets softened. It gets mission creeped. It gets proxied out to, I'll meet you at the YMCA, we'll hang out in the sauna and we're slaying the dragon. And that ain't it. That ain't it. Adventure is not taking a cold shower once a week. Adventure is freaking adventure, as truly defined by, as we all know, going out and smashing into the unknowing, facing the freak show, the chaos, the, the void. If you're not facing it, if you're proxying it out to a weak version of it, that's what creates cognitive dissonance. And next thing you know, You've got that little itch in the back of your head that you don't understand what's bugging you. But it's bugging you. And until you face up to the fact that you got to go smash, you got to go save, you got to go adventure. If you're not doing them, well, a video game ain't going to fix it for you. So I'm, it's not that I'm pushing back hard. I'm just saying, in my world, it's clearly defined, as Chris stated. This, this is exactly what we need to talk about. And I uh, just want to hit these things before uh, we carry on. We got a couple of great comments uh, talking to horses. Jason here is here. Hey fellas. He's saying uh, if a man does not fulfill his roles, his woman will. 
and that will create pure chaos. And he says that that comes off as misogyny, misogyny until you're a man not fulfilling his role and seeing how it affects your spouse, which is, I think, key. Um, <clears throat> and then we got uh, Ruger jumps in here. He's like, Dean, well said. <laughs> and good point for uh, the last one that Sean just made. I just wanted to hit those before we go on. And to your point, Sean, I think that, uh, or I want to get your guys' thoughts on this is, you made a point earlier about the difference between the rural type of the men in the rural areas versus the men in the urban settings. And to your point as to what we're just saying, I think that there is a, there's a stark difference there in the fact that in the rural setting, adventure is natural, right? Like if I think back onto my family's ranch, my uncle and my granddad and all the people that I've known that live that life, their role as a man is clearly defined and they have, you could ask them and they're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And they'll be able to list it off. Bam, 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 bam. And for them to adventure, like my uncle can jump on a horse and adventure out in the mountains in a heartbeat. That's part of his life. That's part of what he does. So I'm wondering, do you think that in the urban environment, the fact that there's maybe not any, um, in, I can't say instinctual, but, there, there's that call to adventure isn't as easy or isn't as open to just go and do versus being out in the urban uh, rural setting where there's much more space, if that makes sense. Dean, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, so obviously I live here in Colorado Springs, which is a pretty good sized city. And then, but everything outside of it though, you know, you start to get into the mountains and stuff. So, uh, with my family, you know, something that I have to do personally is kind of travel and, and go camping, you know, so every summer when it starts to warm up, you know, the boys and I, you know, we definitely always go on at least one camping trip and you can just see how liberating it is for them to get outside of the city limits, you know, before you know it, they're fishing, you know, and then they're just like, hey, can we shoot the BB guns and, you know, just get out the bows and then practice on bow, uh, bow hunting. And it's just, it's completely liberating and it kind of I don't know how to, to explain it, but kind of like that, you know, prehistoric, you know, caveman aspect of getting back to your roots, you know, and before I know it, I'm walking them through the woods and I'm like, Hey, you, can you see these tracks here? You know, like these are deer tracks, you know, you, would you like to track the deer and kind of teaching them that, and you can just see it start to really resonate in their souls on just something that is completely outside of living in that urban area where, you know, being here in the cities, you know, you can basically, for the most part, touch your neighbor's house as you touch theirs at the same time. So we're all on top of each other. You know, the most adventurous things my boys can do around here is go down to the, the local park and play, you know, so that's about it. So, yeah, to your point, I, I completely agree. There is something that is so unique about getting out and, and that kind of brings you back to, I guess we could call it, you know, your traditional roles as, as a man, you know, of Hey, you're back in the woods, you're fishing, you know, we take limited food when we go out there. So it's always amazing to go catch a few fish and then we're literally gutting the fish and then grilling them. And I can just see my boys and their faces light up like, wow, this is amazing. And I think that's something that really kind of helps them, you know, redefine who they are as a person. I really like that. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. There's something there's something about being in wilderness that is just naturally adventurous because you don't know what's lurking around the bend in the trail or uh, what's what's out there in the darkness uh, as, as you're sitting by your campfire or whatever. Uh, I think um, as we as we now a lot of us live in, in more urban areas or at least maybe suburban areas. You just need to be more intentional with that that adventure seeking. Um, it's although in maybe some urban areas it's quite adventurous just to walk down the down the street to the store. <laughs> like it, it could be pretty uh, pretty adrenaline boosting. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think I think there's something there's something about being in wilderness that is just naturally. I I think I think this is what it is. It's because it's unknown. You don't know what is out there. You don't know what is in in the dark, kind of lurking in the in the trees, um, and that's that's half the fun of it. And and I think, at least I get excited thinking about that. Um, but I think the reason I get excited about that is is 
men like to struggle. We, we like to strive for something. And, and uh, when we, when, and this is a very fortunate thing that we've created a society in which we, people aren't dying at, you know, uh, the infant mortality rate is incredibly low now. And, and that's largely because we, we have built up a, a structure in a society to take care of people. And that's great. Um, but uh, there's, there's something about striving and struggling for something uh, that, that I think is part of all of us. Uh, that we, I mean, I mean, look at all of us, our, our previous and maybe even current career wasn't, wasn't intentionally easy. It's like we all chose something intentionally difficult. Uh, and, and I, maybe this is a small sample set, but uh, I think that, I think that resonates with a lot of men. We, there's something about struggling and, and intentionally seeking out the unknown. And, um, and yeah, uh, to your point, the, the wilderness just naturally has that. Uh, whereas maybe more urban settings, uh, you have to be more intentional with seeking that out. Yeah, absolutely. Sean thoughts. Well, here in the big city, here in Kuala Lumpur, there's 8 million people considering the entire totality of it and uh in the in the central region there's two million and it is the freaking lap of luxury if you have some affluence there's food every 10 feet and it's all the food all the time and so um there is no adversity if you've got money and so the that's the erosion of adversity in fact it's quite it's almost the opposite of adversity the ability to overeat, overindulge, overconsume, over everything. And uh, and I've been hitting it hard, man. I've been, every time I see something that looks good, smells good, I'm all over it. But today, I didn't eat for 19 hours uh, because I wanted to do a reset because I do love adversity. And so um, 19 hours of no eating and walking past all that freaking amazing food, Finally, we sat down at a restaurant and I had a, a dish called beef rendang, which is uh, a long, many hour slow braised beef in coconut milk and uh, multiple spices and herbs. It's a Malaysian dish, also Indonesian, and it is freaking delicious. Sounds but delicious. you know when it's really delicious is when you haven't eaten for 19 hours. That's when you really appreciate something. And so I think that's one of the keys is getting out of the lap of luxury, breaking the cycle of consumption, going and facing adversity, whether it's getting cold, wet, hungry, tired, whatever the case is, and resetting your baseline as to what it means to appreciate things truly and, um, and, and maybe reconstruct your idea of what it means to live a better life as it were rather than just consume life yeah the uh i don't i think the best sleeps i've ever had have been after long nights of marches and <laughs> reckies and being an op and things like that those are always the best sleeps i've had regardless of the time spent sleeping you just feel that that exhaustion leading up to it it always makes it feel better especially for the food dean you got any uh, additional thoughts on this no, just that, yeah, you're spot on there. Just there's something so beautiful and unique and, and to accept that challenge of, you know, just breaking the norm of what you live every single day and just, you know, and I think it's very humbling when you go out and, and you know, live and go camping for a while and go out on your own. And you just you simply see like, well, hey, I, I can't just walk down to the grocery store and, and buy some food like I, I literally have to cook it here you know, survive. And, and there's something just beautiful, you know, maybe I'm alone in that one. But for me, there's just something really beautiful and gorgeous about that of just knowing that I have that challenge. And then kind of the Chris's point, you know, then you're sleeping in the middle of the night, you know, and you hear something walk by your tent, and there's no calling somebody and saying, Hey, can you get here in 10 minutes? You know, it, it's you, you know, and, and it's up to you to figure out what to do. And I, I think that's amazing as well. Absolutely. Chris, any additional thoughts? No, I think you, you guys all hit it. I, one thing that did pop into my mind, though, uh, well, a couple things. Um, I think often, particularly young men, uh, they, when they're trying to figure out if they're a man or not, they, they run to women 
to answer that question, whether that's through promiscuity or, or validation of some kind. And, that, and that's the wrong way to go because um, I, think, I think women can recognize masculinity, but they can't bestow it. They can't, um, they can't say, yes, you are a man. Uh, rather, it's, it's other men that acknowledge that. And again, kind of going back to my Savannah example, uh, it's, it was the, the elders, the elder men that said, yes, you are a man. Now you are, you are now capable and expected to protect the tribe. Um, uh, kind of going back to, to the roles of men and women. I had a, a friend a number of years ago who spent some time in Africa and she said, as she was kind of touring around, uh, she would, the tour guide would kind of bring them through villages and stuff like that. And all the men were just sitting around the house hanging out with their spear and just joking and laughing and stuff. And, and you look at the women and they're, you know, taking care of the kids and cooking all the food and cleaning everything. And she was getting really angry. She's like, what, why, why are the men just allow her? And the tour guide kind of chuckled at her and, she, and he said, well, the men sit there because they are watching for lions because when the lions show up, they are the ones running out to meet them. Um, and that's, that's kind of a stark difference to, to kind of what we experience on our day to day. Um, granted that, that those roles are, are different and expectation is different, but, um, it's, it's interesting that if you did try to reverse those roles, like have a woman, uh, or a mother or, or a wife or a sister sit there with a spear, uh, while, while the men were cooking and taking care of the kids, they would be, they'd be mocked and looked down upon by, by other men and, and say, Hey, you're, you're messing up. You're not, you're not fulfilling what is expected of you. Um, so that, that popped into my head. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great thought. Sean, got anything on that? I do. The other thing that those men were doing was sitting around teaching young men how to become older men, teaching young men how to become wiser men, teaching young men how to interact with young men. Like, I, I think that guys have got to get better at relating to each other and the how to how to communicate how to hang out now it's maybe easier for us because most of our career was spent hanging out with other dudes talking to other dudes about dude stuff but that isn't as common as um it used to be i think and so young men don't hang out with you know a team of eight hammers to smash what they do do is hang out in their in their bedroom on a video game chirping at some guy that they don't know halfway across the world who's chirping at him there's no hanging out it's just bonkers video chirping and so how on earth does does a young man nowadays learn what it means to be play the role of a man uh, back to chance's point in the hamlet stage how does a young man learn how to do it if he's learning it from someone halfway around the world that he doesn't know as to whether it's even a man, a woman, or a chatbot? So I think that it takes, to Chris's point, or to Dean's point, or to anyone's point where we're talking about going out as a small group or a larger group of men and just hanging out and learning how to talk as men so that we can create a culture of good communication styles and good resonating, good synchronizing as to what it means to do things better uh, in the world. This, this is a really great point. And uh, I, I, I've been wanting to get here uh, for a little while is that you're talking about an understudy, right? Like if, if I'm playing the role of Hamlet, my boys, are the understudies and they're as the understudies uh, as an understudy what you should be doing is following around the, the lead right learning from them through osmosis and just like watching them constantly and i think back to the savannah example you know um those men sitting around uh, with their spears might look like they're not doing anything but as, as it's been said they are and they're providing the example for the kids but on top of that, when the men leave, when they go to hunt or when they go to protect or whenever they do anything, those boys then, they don't get to see what happens, right? They just see the men leave. And they're like, what, what where, where, I, I want to go with, why can't I come? Because 
they're they're the understudy. They're the, usually following them around. So there's this desire to follow uh, the rest of the men. And to yesterday's point, we were talking about the rites of passage. Is that that used to be the marker, the signifier of like, okay, now you can come with, right? So you would get to a certain age, you'd go through a particular rite of passage, and then now you could come with the men on the hunt. Versus what's happening now is there is none of that. And what I've seen and what I want to get your guys' thoughts on here is that um, the concept of city slickers. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to my, my roots here on this is that you have uh, a bunch of, you know, cowboys, people who have lived their life on the range and done all these things. And you will get people from the urban environment who have never lived that life who will pay to come get a piece of it right? They're not getting the whole experience, not living that life, but they want just, they want a touch of it. And so I'm wondering if you think that is a, you know, it's that little bit of trying to fill that hole in, in, their, in their soul, in their, uh, in their body or their, uh, their desire, or do you think it's something else? Dean, I'm going to come back to you. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you're onto something. So I, what I'm, what comes to my mind is uh, mentorship, you know, or that understudy. And, you know, yeah, the city slickers coming in, I think to, to kind of look deeper into it, it's not so much just to, to leave the city, but to, you know, go and interact with, you know, men and then, you know, gain some experience and knowledge from them on what it is they do on a day to day. And then, you know, once again, seek that adventure. But yeah, they kind of, you know, talking to Sean's point, I really resonated with that. Like that is definitely something that I, I personally take, you know, uh, seriously with my kids on a um, mentorship and I like the idea you know back when I had a little more free time I always loved the coach so I always coached t-ball and basketball and stuff and it, it is you can kind of see young men or kids you know they're they're so impressionable and that's the reason why I take it so seriously because whether you realize it or not they're they're staring at you every second and what you do matters greatly to them you know, if, if you just come up and you, you shake somebody, something as simple as just walking up and shaking somebody's hand and you look them in the eyes while you're doing it and introduce yourself, you know, that in itself can be completely different than, you know, somebody who is kind of passive and, you know, always has their head down and you're, you're really kind of mentoring those kids, you know, either verbally or non-verbally. So, you know, whether you realize it or not, they're watching everything you do and, and so, you know, a tradition I have with my kids is, you know, I take them to school every day. And so when I take them to school, we spend a good 15 minutes every morning talking about how their day is going. And then I, I use that time to really mentor them because for the most part, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, they haven't seen that I didn't experience and mess up myself. And so I'm trying to, you know, make it so they don't make any mistakes because they live in a different time than I did. But for the most part, a lot of the things that my son will come up and be like, hey, dad, what do you think about this? I can literally tell him like, hey, where I completely messed that up. And I was like, hey, this is so many ways I messed this up. But I suggest you go left because I went right and it didn't work out very well for me. And so, yeah. So, yeah, definitely with Sean's point, I think mentorship is so huge today and developing those roles in men and showing them what right looks like. But to your point, though, I just it was, you know, we do live in a time where we don't give as as much mentorship. And, and we were lucky. Some of us were because I was always surrounded by really good, strong men. You know, I was really fortunate to be, you know, when I grew up in the military, I've always been surrounded by some really great leaders. And so but I want to be able to pass that along. And so that's what I spent a, a large amount of my time doing. Absolutely. Chris, thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I agree with the mentorship mentality for sure. Uh, my, pers my perspective is slightly different because I have two daughters and not two sons. Uh, and as, as much as I've tried to get them into like jujitsu or some kind of combat sport, like how cool would that be, Sweet Pea? It'd be great. We get you a, a, a pink gi and you could go beat up other little kids. She just doesn't want to do it. So she wants to play dolls and, and, and color. Uh, and I'm, I'm down with that too. Um, but I think where my role in that mentorship, um, I don't know, relationship comes is I, I still need to be the man that I think I need to be in their lives. And, and I say this often, uh, and it's kind of becoming a mantra, but I'm, I'm the standard by which they measure other men. 
and and as a result i need to set that bar pretty high because i and part of it is for um to reduce the amount of headache i have to deal with later <laughs> so they don't pick losers as partners uh and they pick like strong men uh and and not just physically strong but i, I think that is an incredibly important part of it but also like somebody that's striving for excellence and pursuing financial stability and is emotion emotionally intelligent and also intellectually intelligent um i think all those things are super important and so i'm i'm just trying to model that for my kids uh, because they i think they are viewing me kind of through a different lens than than if i had two sons whereas my if i had sons they would probably want to be like me um and my daughters are like all right he's he's the example uh in my life of what a man is absolutely sean thoughts on this yeah, a couple of things. I'll start off with the city slicker thing as, as you propose, Chance, which I think is excellent, by the way. And so, you know, uh, the city slicker goes out to the ranch. He wants to get a taste of that adversity. He wants to see what the hard men live like, uh, etc. Goes out, does his city slicker thing, goes back to the city. Then he gets one of two options. One is he learned a few things and started incorporating them into his life. The other option is he stays in his city slicker outfit, but now he's got all of his bow jangles and he's got his spurs, he's got his cowboy boots, he's got his chaps, he's got his satin shirt and he's got his little, and he's got his hat and he's like down the urban uh, sidewalk and he's trying to live that life that he ain't. And so the city slicker goes out, gets a taste of it and then comes back and falsifies his role because he's trying to be something that he's not which is the parallel to the video game. Kid goes out, starts playing that video game, kills that dragon, all of a sudden he thinks he's a dragon killer, but he ain't. And so the proxy briefly or artificially, momentarily, can't then be brought out into a life that they're not living. And so the city slicker thing, I think works really well. Uh, and we could probably build that out or the handshake thing. I really like that handshake thing, man, because I learned how to shake a hand from my uncle Shay, Shay Hutchinson. He's passed on now. He was a, quite a famous singer in Ireland. He, he was a larger than life character. And that's the thing about, about when, you, when you make a note of a guy, you don't make a note of mediocrity, or at least I never did. I always made a note of someone who like was a large representation of something that I thought was we'll call it excellence. And Shay Hutchinson had a, a handshake that was excellence. I used to look forward to flying back uh, whenever I'd have some R&R &R from the military, flying back to Ireland. And the first thing that I wanted to do, besides having a Guinness, was shake my Uncle Shay's hand. Cause he had a crushing handshake, man. And I remember the day when I was old enough and strong enough, uh, and I'd done a few things that when I went to shake his hand, it was like a handshake off. And I remember squeezing his hand and I thought, oh no, I've got a stronger handshake than him. And it was like the torch had been passed to some degree where I had managed to establish uh, an equivalent or better of the Shea handshake. And so to me, the handshake represents a lot. When you see a guy shake a hand, you know when he shook a hand well. You can see it from afar. You can see a good handshake. And you can definitely feel a wet noodle handshake. And handshakes have devolved to the point where now you're like, what just happened there? You know, like, was that a handshake or what just happened? So a handshake means a lot, I think, in a man's world, or it used to. And so a handshake is a proxy to some degree of what can be excellence or what can be distorted into now it's not acceptable to do a strong handshake and look a guy in the eye and give him a nod and say how are you now it's now it's look down at your feet or look away and 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 now it's a limp limp shake and a and a and not a not a nod it's almost i find it disrespectful to some degree when a when and, and i don't mean disrespectful totally but I mean, it's not holding your position as a confident, strong man when you go in and, and refuse to look a guy in the eye 
refuse to have a firm handshake, refuse to acknowledge the moment, not look me in the eye. I think that is a, not an indictment of where society is going, but it's certainly indicative of where society is going. So city slicker or handshake, which way do you want to go? <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to take us down a different road because I got a really great question in the, uh, in the comments that I really want to touch on. And I'm going to save the city slickers probably for tomorrow. I think that's a great, uh, and we can talk about the handshake too. So I'm going to hit these uh, topics or these comments. If there's something that uh, jumps out at you guys that you want to make, uh, you need to discuss a little bit more, by all means, just jump in because I'm, I'm going to, there's a few of them. So I'm going to run through these. Uh, Jason jumps in here. He says, I think for many men, there becomes an unconscious or conscious excuse to living an urban life and not learning and experiencing the traditional and more natural capabilities of a rural man. <clears throat> He continues how how easy it is to slip into modern urban complacency and ignore these drives to adventure and challenge that seems innate in men. The urban setting can zap that away without intention, like Chris says. <clears throat> I think that's a great point. And then Lisa jumps in here. She says, brought my husband into the room to listen to this and our discussion leaned into how society started hating power and respecting victimhood, resulting in masculinity becoming toxic. And then we fail to rec uh, we also fail to recognize the power in femininity, which is 100% true. Uh, Ruger jumps in here. He says, a man has to find himself first or be admitted into manhood by other men. Then a good woman can remind you of the king you've become on the days you forget, which is a solid point for sure. <clears throat> Jason smacks back. That's true, Lisa. Uh, true masculinity is dangerous if more men... Uh, true masculinity is dangerous. If more men fulfill their masculine role properly, cowards would come to power much less, which is also. Now, here's to this question, or the question I wanted to touch on. She says, I love this convo and realize you're getting close to the end, but I would love to hear the panel's thoughts on power dynamics and the role of men, wealth, health, strength, and nurturing, which is an interesting uh, point on that one. But I want to get, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the power dynamics within those roles, because as we stated earlier, if you are, um, if you're sitting around joking with your, with your buddies on the porch and you got your spears in your hand and that's one thing, but if you're just sitting around on the porch joking with your buddies and lions are walking through your property, that's a whole nother, right? So what are you guys' thoughts on the, the power dynamics within that role of men? Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? Uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, uh, the comment, I think, just before this, uh, talking about masculinity is dangerous. I, yes, masculinity is is dangerous. That doesn't mean it's a danger to the people around it. You know, um, another uh, maybe another way to say that is masculinity is is capable. Um, and so, and so, what I mean by that is you are capable to go out and meet those lions or meet the the threat that shows up. Like, I, I'd be willing to bet. Um, uh, all of your spouses, like if somebody breaks into your house, you're the one that's expected to go down and meet that. Right. Yeah. You're not going to say, all right, honey, it's your turn, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, so back to Lisa's question, the power dynamic, I think, I think there, there's this maybe yin and yang, uh, of power and power looks differently when embodied by either masculinity or femininity. Uh, I, I am 100% certain that true femininity is very powerful because that can motivate me to do all kinds of things, <laughs> whether charge, charge the lion or the dragon or, um, or, or like was mentioned earlier, uh, that femininity can remind, remind us of, of the role that we should be playing and the expectations put on us. And that doesn't mean, um, that femininity is weak, but rather it's, it's incredibly powerful when used appropriately. And, and it can, Kind of going back to the the beauty to rescue it's like that that feminine nature can really drive us to be our best selves because the power dynamic is actually balanced uh it's it just looks differently like uh yeah the i may be i may be physically stronger and uh expected and willing to go meet those lions or dragons or whatever uh, but that doesn't mean the the female would have a lesser role um it's 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 actually pretty equal because it's because of that that strength in the femininity um is is where i get the strength to to be more masculine uh, in that regard 
Uh, and then in regards to health, uh, wealth, health, strength, and nurturing. Yeah, we live in a society where oftentimes both partners are working and uh, one may be earning more than the other. Um, and that that could lead to tension if you let it. Uh, but if you if you are truly married or, or joined and are one now, um, then then it is now the household income and not yours and mine, right? Um, in regards to health, I think everybody should be healthy. I don't know if I'm answering that question appropriately. Uh, I kind of alluded to strength. Strength looks different depending on who it is. Uh, I think there's when when women are are really acting within their feminine, that is that is their strength. It. it they don't need to act masculine to be strong. That's that's actually, I think, detracting from, from their strength. Rather, dive into their femininity because that is where their strength is. It's, it's just as much as like our DNA is kind of wrapped around battle, adventure, and, and rescuing. They, their strength, their DNA is wrapped around some of those feminine attributes too. And then nurturing, for sure. I think there was a study done, and I'll try to shut up pretty soon, but... Um, uh, Oxytocin is released between a mother and child when she's nurturing, uh, and the child understands that, can can sense it, can respond to it well when she when he's being he or she is being nurtured by the mother. But the same level of oxytocin is released uh, amongst children and fathers when they're playing and when they're roughhousing, um, not when they're nurturing, or there's to a lesser degree. Uh, I can't remember the study, but uh, I saw that the other day, and I thought that was super interesting that the children after a while, they naturally know who to go to when they have certain needs to get that oxytocin release, which is the love hormone. So. I like that. I like that a lot. Dean, you got any uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, I like the, um, I've always liked the idea of, you know, speak softly, but carry a big stick. You know, and kind of the Chris's point, you know, be capable. So obviously we just don't walk around raging all the time. But, you know, but you need to, as a role in the men, like you have to, you know, or you should own the ability to, you know, appropriately react to situations and sometime in a very aggressive manner, if need be. Doesn't mean you need to walk around and, and boast that and, and project that constantly, but definitely be capable of it. I always liked, um, you know, talk about man things. I always liked the movie 300, you know, at the very beginning. Where Leonidas is standing there, you know, and he's looking at the the Persian, and he looks at his wife, and she kind of gives him the head nod, and that kind of really drives what he does. And I think that is a beautiful scene on, you know, how men and women complement each other, you know, work together in that power dynamic between them. Of Leonidas obviously had the power and the strength, but she had the wisdom and the fortitude to understand what was best for their society. You know, and so complimenting each other like that is, is amazing. And I, once again, I always go back to being a father. But, you know, one thing that I, I you know, I really, you know, like to talk about, and I, I'll try to say this in a humble way, but I, I get complimented all the time on, you know, my kids being very respectful, you know, and, and listening and doing what they're told and being really nice to people. But at the same time, you know, having very masculine traits on being able to shake people's hands appropriately you know, being able to, to speak well and have a good conversation and, you know, most importantly, just being you know, overall respectful. And I just absolutely love that compliment. And it's hard for me not to boast and tell everybody about it because, you know, obviously I just love my kids to death and I take that very personally. But, and then the reason why I bring that up is because I wanted to bring that up to Chris's point is because he mentioned earlier about, you know, raising two daughters and how he has a different, you know, mindset when it comes to that. I look at it the same way as one day when, you know, if, a, you know, a Chris or whoever comes up and says, Hey, your son's dating my daughter. I want to be able to look that person in the eye and just be like, yes, that, that's a great thing because I've raised them so well and he will be respectful, you know, treat her, you know, and I just want to have that, you know, that, you know, I don't know the word I'm looking for there, but that kind of respect between men on just being like, yes, if you're dating my son, I, I guarantee you, you know, he's, he's definitely going to work hard. He's a good, respectful kid. And yeah, I hope to see where they go with it. But I like that. And to being able to say <laughs> somebody else that they're, they're good to go, right? Like that's Exactly. Like, you know, there's just something about just being able to just, you know, have that confidence with your kids, you know, and, and I love that. And so that once again, to kind of take it full circle that I spoke about at the beginning, that's kind of the role of men 
number one for me is always just mentorship. And then specifically, you know, your children should be at the forefront of that. Absolutely. Sean, thoughts? I might be a bit janky because the internet's a bit janky here at the moment. So I'll make this brief. Uh, you'd brought up 300. And so I dig it, man. Shortly after that, Leonidas is watching his son being trained and actually kind of getting a bit of a beat down. And you know what? It was the right thing to do. Not like hard beat down, but that adversity being raised up to become a strong man, to replace him as a king someday, to be able to get his nod from his partner, to enable future generations in an appropriate way. We're supposed to lead by example. We're supposed to walk the hard path so that our sons or daughters can see what it takes to set a fine example as strong leaders. To Lisa's point, wealth, health, strength, and nurturing. You know, as a man, sometimes the power dynamic for us will have us feeling like we are lacking the power in one of those particular aspects. So if we're lacking in some degree and we can't raise that game, for example, my wife uh, earned a lot more uh, money than I ever did. And so how, how do I compete against that? I don't need to. I have to find a way to fill the gap in another way. I have to raise my game to fill my gap, to bring an equivalency within the relationship, within the family unit, within the dynamic, so that I don't feel like I suck. And I think that's really corrosive to either a man or a woman. If the power dynamic is off balance, well, do something about it. Fill the gap, Put a, sort it out. If you can't do it with wealth, then do it with something else so that you feel like you're contributing, so that it is even Steven. It doesn't have to be perfectly in balance, but you gotta get the scale close by doing the extraordinary to pick up the pace and make both partners feel like there's an appropriate balance within the relationship. I really like that, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the concept of looking for work, right? That you gotta, you gotta keep looking for work, and you gotta keep moving around and filling those holes. I really like that a lot. Now we are a little bit over time. First off, just want to say fantastic conversation, guys. It's been awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Sean. It's been fantastic. Uh, Ruger jumped in here and said, "Good points, Lisa. I agree. Such a good combo and amazing anecdote." So uh, the <clears throat> the viewers are loving it. Let's get some final thoughts on anything we've gone over so far today or the role of men in general. Let's, uh, Chris, you're on top. What do you got? Yeah, uh, I think I think one point I want to drive home is um, not only the, the, the things that are deep in our DNA as men that we're chasing after, whether we consciously or, or subconsciously, uh, regardless of how you kind of actualize those that adventure and, and, and rescuing it and the battle. Uh, remember that like masculinity can't be bestowed by, by femininity. It, it can be recognized by femininity, but, but yeah, being around other men is vital and creating a tribe that you're, that you belong to and they expect a great deal of you is, is probably the best way to, to move forward as a man. I like it. Dean, final thoughts. Yeah, I would just say if you're a younger man and you're trying to understand and define what your roles are, my biggest recommendation would be starting with finding a great mentor. You know, somebody like Chris, you know, the coaching services, stuff along those lines is a phenomenal start. You know, find that good mentor. And then I think that'll help you find purpose in life. And then before you know it, you'll really be defining your roles in a man. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, final thoughts? Go find a room full of men that are hanging on to spears, sit down and spend a decade and learn, and then learn how to lead other men decades later. I've always said it to my sons that I'm not trying to teach you how to be a man. I'm trying to teach you how to teach the next generation how to be a man. So listen to the wisdom, what little I have, because you're going to have to pass it on to them. I'm not teaching you. 
I'm teaching them. So pay attention to what's going down and try to live it accordingly in the future. Yeah, I, uh, I'm reminded of, I can't remember who said it on the show a little while ago, but they were, I can't really remember what we were talking about, but they were saying, go into the room, sit down, shut up, <laughs> ears open, right? And just listen, just watch. And I think that is a, a critical piece in this, in that, you know, if you want, if you want to find a mentor, if you want to be able to develop yourself, you have to be able to listen. <laughs> you have to be able to watch and learn without any sort of additional commentary. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have commentary or that your commentary isn't uh, welcomed in the appropriate time or the appropriate place. It just means that your bias should be to watch and learn rather than try to take over or guide with limited experience at least. And I think that is a, uh, it's, it's a challenge that, you know, we started this before we jumped in here saying that, you know, this, this could be a, a, a touchy subject, let's say, but I think we did a fantastic job on covering all this stuff. And, um, we've been able to really dive into what it means to be, or what it means to be the, the role of a man. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you guys for the conversation. It's been fantastic. So I will finish this off with something very simple, continue to learn, continue to build and continue to grow every day. And you can do that with us here on the collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.